When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Wednesday, October 5th. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today, the Athletic Zone, Mike Sando. Mike, how you doing? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on. This was one we hadn't had scheduled, so it's it's good. Quick little pivot this week. Sometimes that happens. People are busy. People have schedules. There's a lot going on. And we were sitting there yesterday thinking about what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. We wanted to lean into the weirdness that has transpired over the first month of the season. I think a lot of people have been asking, do we know who's good? Are there any teams that are good? How many teams are good? How many teams are bad? How many teams are in the middle? Where are we? What does the landscape of the league currently look like? And that's what we're going to do today. Just want to throw it out there. This is four games into the season. There's a chance this looks very different four weeks from now. Very, very different 12 weeks from now. But we are going to do some team tiers a month into the season. And I'm excited to dig into this because there is a lot to chew on. There are very few answers, very many questions. I want to lay out how we did this. So... We didn't talk about what the tiers were going to be beforehand, which was probably a mistake. We each came to our own independent tiers before kind of combining them. So you guys will see how this is laid out. Our first four or so categories are going to be the same. We have the bona fide contenders. I call them the elite teams. Contenders with question marks. Lightning in a bottle teams is third. I had those as the playoff teams, sort of. You called them lightning in the bottle teams, which I liked. You had the frisky upstart teams next. I called those the, the intriguing FUs. team. The FUs. I called yeah. those the, the intriguing teams I do not understand. And then we have a few <laughs> other categories that we're getting to at the bottom. But the general skeleton of how we're going to rank these teams, bucket these teams, is pretty similar. So let's start at the top. True contenders, elite teams in the NFL. How many do you have and which ones are they? I did Buffalo and Kansas City and I actually... I, I would put Kansas City first. I think on my little sheet here, I have Buffalo maybe alphabetically, but I put Kansas City first. I think they're the champ. You got to knock them out. They've shown enough this year that uh, I'm really kind of excited about where they're going to go. Remember, and recently they've been like crap on defense or just you know, they had the one special teams meltdown game against Indy, but I think that's not going to happen every week. So I, I like where they're at. I'd probably put them first until Buffalo shows they can knock them off in a big game. Why no Eagles? Because I have three teams yeah. at the top. I think the Chiefs and the Bills, pencil it in. Yeah. Chiefs are 13th in EPA per play on defense with the way their offense is going to play over the course of the season. By the way, they're the best offense in the league again. By the w- yeah. With the way their offense is going to play over the course of the season, 13th is more than good enough. I still think top to bottom, Buffalo might be the best team. You know, The offensive line issues concern me, and they're going to concern me. But even with Micah Hyde out, I think when their defense gets a little bit healthier, the front that they have, I have those two teams rock solid, write it in pen. They are in this. But I also have the Eagles, and I think the Eagles are right there with both of those teams. So why no Philly for you? 
Yeah, it's just to me, I look at the wall, there's skins on the wall for the other teams, not for this team. I, I uh, Still in the back of my mind, they lost by 150 points when they got to the playoffs last year. I don't think that would happen now. I think they would be an underdog to those teams on a neutral field. But I think uh, there's just a little bit of a dividing line there of want to see it more, right? They have a really easy schedule um, and they've done a nice job. But I just, to me, it's, I agree with you, like, I just am not willing to elevate into this bona fide contender thing after four games. We just need to see a little more. Yeah, I understand that. I just think the team is so different in important ways that they have guys that have reshaped what they are on offense and defense. AJ Brown being the biggest example of that. We saw what Hassan Reddick is last week against Jacksonville, Jordan Davis and the difference that he's made. I just feel like they're so different. On yes. both sides of the ball. They're top five in offense and defense by DVOA in the NFL. They're the only team that you can say that about. We talked a l- little bit about this on the Sunday night show. I just think they're so nimble based on game situation, what they have to be, the flexibility of their personnel, the flexibility of their coaching staff. I'm in, man. I mean, I am yeah. all the way in. I think that they are, in my opinion, a step above the rest of the teams in the NFC right now. That was a take I was... Yeah. Just trying on like a new pair of pants a couple weeks ago, and now I'm just wearing them around all day. Oh, that's how I feel about my Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And you can wear pants for multiple days as long as you're changing the underwear. You don't have to change the pants every day, (laughs) I believe. So I think you're good with those pants. They look good on you. Um, And I've got you know I've got one and a half foot in that. I'm just you know I'm probably being a little stubborn, just saying okay, like it, like it. It would shock me more if Buffalo and Kansas City tailed off at any point, you know, than it would with Philly. Although, like I said, Philly was favored for the rest of their games. Their schedule's easy. And I like the fact that they came out on Jacksonville, which was kind of an FU team, my frisky upstart team. Like, they were a little bit rocked, and then they just took care of business. So um, very nice for them. I'm not going to argue that too strongly. I just like my two champs to be a little bit more proven to put them in that bona fide contender category that I have. All right. Contenders with question marks. We both came to this exact same framing. I had contenders with a question mark at the end. You had contenders with questions. Yeah, yeah. Who is this group for you? You had Philly at the top of that. I think we've already discussed that. Who else is in this tier for you? I put Tampa Bay and Green Bay in there as teams that I maybe, you know, would have hoped would have been in the elite, the bona fide contender, you know, thing. And maybe they will be by the end. But they're sort of in this group on a little bit of reputation. We know how good they've been. We know what their quarterbacks are. We know they can be good. Um, but there's real question marks with with those two. Um, and then I put San Francisco. The bottom of that is like, I don't know if I would have, like if they would have lost last night, I don't know. You know, I probably would feel a little differently. They're a little bit more volatile in that group, but I like so much what they're doing defensively. I trust Kyle Shanahan and I trust Jimmy Garoppolo for what he is with their weapons. Like I couldn't put them lower than that. So they were in the NFC championship game last year. And so that's kind of my next group of teams that I really like, but you know, there could be a question or two with them. I also had Tampa Bay Bay a little bit. I am a little bit too, but I do think they deserve the benefit of the doubt at this point. They have a quarterback who's won back-to-back MVP awards. I do think their offensive line will be more settled over the course of the season. I think their passing game will get better over the course of the season as those younger guys settle in. I mean, think about what Dobbs was in the game plan last week compared to what it was in the first couple weeks. It's going to take a while for them to figure out who they want to be, what their personnel is on that side, what their usage is going to be, all that stuff. So I do think some incremental improvements in that area are to be expected. 
And their defense leaves me a little bit cold at times just because yeah. the way, I, we talked about this on, on Sunday night. But you watched the Niners play last night, and then I watched the Packers defense, and it, there's just a chasm between those two things, just how it feels to watch them. But they have been very good against the pass. They have enough talent on that side of the ball that I still feel like they're going to be a really good pass defense over the course of the season. They're number one in success rate against the pass so far this year because of the guys they have in the back end and the way that defense is structured. So I think when you combine all of that stuff, they're firmly in this category to me. Green, you know, Green Bay defensively, like watching how limited New England was because of their situation at quarterback and the way Bill Belichick decided to play the game, like New England just ran on them anyway. Like Trent Brown is like burying the end and then like flexing on the film. You can see him like <laughs> strutting and pointing and he does like the, you know, I don't know, what, you, what do you call that when you do the, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger pose, you know, but he's like doing that on the film because he buried the guys so bad. They're running on third and three and it's like a really good decision uh, on Green Bay. So maybe that stuff gets worked out and that maybe that's not going to be the end of the world for them. But how do you be in that game when they're down to their third quarterback and Bill Belichick is playing that way and you've got Rodgers and you're like barely winning? Yeah. And I think that again, that gets better over the course of the yeah. year. So I have yeah. them in there. I have the Bucks in there. The Bucks are 14th in dropback EPA right now even with all of the offensive line issues that they've had, <laughs> yeah. all of the receiver issues that they've had, you would assume that gets better as the year goes on and they get a little bit healthier. Their defense has been excellent for the most part this season. I know they got jumped on by the Chiefs last week. I think the Chiefs had a great game plan, You know, keep things heavy in certain situations in order to manipulate what they're trying to do, get them in base defense, run when you have it, throw when you don't. I really liked what Kansas City did. I think the Bucks' defense over the course of the season will still be very good. So I had both of those teams definitively in the second tier. My third team was not the Niners. We'll get to the Niners in a second. I think I had them one tier lower. I had the Ravens in here. Yeah, I want to and, talk and, about that. And it's just because what Lamar is right now and the force that he is, I give them the same benefit of the doubt at quarterback that I'm giving those other two teams. They're first in passing DVOA. The Ravens are right now with no receivers, <laughs> with Lamar just kind of making things happen on his own, which I think is remarkable. They're fifth in dropback success rate. He's just playing at such a high level right now, and, and he's impacting the game in such a unique way that I just have to put them in here because I do think they'll get better in other areas. I think that they're four games in with a new defensive coordinator and a new defensive structure. I think they'll get better on that side of the ball. Ronnie Stanley will hopefully be back at some point. So I think the Ravens have been good enough so far that they've piqued my interest, and I think they'll only get better. So I I understand having them one tier lower than this, but I just felt like I yeah. had to throw them in in the same category with those other two. So my issue with them besides obviously there's volatility on defense so they're a little bit of a different team there i don't i don't know that they're going to get better on defense as the season goes along because we'll see with attrition and that sort of a thing i think they have an unproven coordinator and so i have a little bit of a question there i think when you talk about their pass game you have to really separate early downs from third down third down looks rough watch them watch third down as you get into longer distances it's not uh the top DVOA or passing game or the top EPA passing game. I think that's a distinction to make against teams like Green Bay and and Tampa Bay. I don't know what their numbers are on third down. I know what their quarterbacks look like on third down over the course of 10 years. So that would be one thing that I think – I think the issues they have in Baltimore, which is, is the defense is good and what does the passing game look like when you have to pass, are still there. So that's why I would just make that distinction. It may not matter. 
Um, maybe they could be in a higher tier. I've got them at the top of the next one, but I think that's a distinction worth pointing out because it's going to be pointed out in the playoffs. Yeah, right now he's 16th in EPA per dropback on third down. And but dropback is runs. Dropback includes runs. Them throwing the yeah, ball, you look been, at- it has been pretty ugly. They're tw- he's 12 of 30 on third down so far this year. So I also think that their third down offense is very not, not very well constructed. So well, we'll see what happens. But I, I just think yeah, that he's yeah. been It may not be fair to blame force. him for that, but yeah, I think 12 he's of been, 30 on third down. Yeah, it has not been great. So I, I think that he's been dynamic yeah. enough that I, again, I just, I'm tempted to throw them in here, even though I could totally understand putting them one tier lower. I, starting off the next tier, the next section of teams here, which you called your lightning in a bottle teams. I kind of had them bucketed as just <laughs> playoff teams, but I like lightning in a bottle teams. Let's put the Niners for me at the top of that tier because yeah. I just have so many questions about the offense. And I have three teams here that I would kind of combine in the same general category with the Niners being at the top. The Niners are the best defense in football right now, in my opinion. The way that they're playing up front, even with guys being in and out of the lineup, you know, Armstead's missed some time. Jimmy Ward hasn't even played yet this year. It just doesn't seem to matter. Like what they're the clip that they play out on that side, the buttons that D'Amico Ryans is pushing. I said this earlier today to Deontay and Nate. The Niners defense is my favorite thing to watch in football right now. If I could turn on one yes. thing on my television and watch it for three and a half hours, it would be the San Francisco 49ers playing defense. So they're in with two other teams to me. If their defense gets hot, they could really make some noise and do some damage. The other two for me are Dallas because of that pass rush. And even beyond that, this defense is scary right now, even without some of the turnovers that they had last year. They're fourth in success rate on defense this season. They've been very good play in and play out, and they are still chaos creators with what their pass rush can be. And my third team in this, which is it's funny that this is the area that I think has really lifted them. And if their offense gets better, then they truly become a lightning in a bottle team is Cincinnati. Like the Bengals have been in the top five in pretty much every single defensive metric. And coming into this season, I had questions about whether they would regress, what their defense would look like this year, just because they didn't really do much. You know, they brought back all those yeah. same guys. And I think when that happens, you can look at it one of two ways. The pessimistic way is to say stagnation could be coming here. You know, if, if they didn't really give any injections of talent, do they start to drift away a little bit? Or is the continuity a positive? And you can do all of these things because these guys have played together for multiple years. And if you look at some of the shit that Lou Anarumo is doing, the answer is number two so far. They've been able to do some wild stuff because I think they're very comfortable playing with one another. And they're top five in pretty much every single metric you want to look at. Success rate against the run, success rate against the pass, all of those things, EPA, DVOA, anything. They've been really, really good and a very fun unit to watch. So those three teams are in the same kind of category to me right now where it's like, all right, their offense figures it out. Maybe we get there. But the defense to me is what is the scariest part about all of those. Yes. So the 49ers, I'm totally with you. If I just looked at this. So opposing offenses have scored 9.3 points a game against them this year. Okay. And the next team is 14 and a half. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like we've played 17 games, but, you know, 9.3. Like, I don't think Seattle scored an offense and they just put up 150 points on Detroit. Yeah. Seattle's so, offense looks great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, didn't look so great. Now, that that's another story. They're they're not going to look great when they play good defenses, probably. But but they can look great, and they they couldn't do anything. I mean, they 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 were horrific against the 49ers. So I love that. 
Um, Cincinnati, Dallas is interesting. You know, Dallas, I looked this up when I was writing my pick six column for Monday. Um, they have not allowed 20 points in any of their first four games. That's a first during the Jerry Jones ownership era, which is a long time since the 80s, 1989. So, you know, some of these things are who you played and all of that, but that's something. There's something going on there and they've sort of steadied it, you know, obviously without Dak. So I isn't it amazing with, to think Dak's been the one thing in Dallas that we liked and could, could count on a consistent person, a consistent worker, a consistent player, a consistent producer. And now I'm like, okay, what are the things you can bank on in Dallas? Well, certainly their defense, right? I mean, that's laughable, but it is. I feel like their defense is good. Um, and then uh, I'm not like, I lost some hope for Dak in the offense last year. And like, I, I now it's done better than I thought with Cooper Rush in there, but like, how good can they be offensively? How good is Dak going to be when he comes back is a, something I want to see, and I'm not as excited about it. I'm a little bit more worried about it than I should be. What, how about you? Well, that's kind of the difference between Dallas and Cincinnati and the Niners to me, is that the Dallas and Cincinnati, if they continue to be really good defenses, it's not hard to make an argument about why their offenses can take pretty dramatic steps forward over the rest of the season. The Bengals have been awful on offense for the most part through the first four oh. games, they have players on that side of the ball. I yeah. Over time, I do think that they will be better simply because of the talent that they have. Dallas is going to get their starting quarterback back, and Michael Gallup is going to start playing again. They're going to get better, hopefully, than they've been with Cooper Rush and some of the injuries that they've been dealing with. I don't know that about the Niners. Their interior offensive line issues are concerning to me. I don't really know what to make of Jimmy at this stage, but the combination they have of the defense being just stupefyingly good in some stretches and absolutely terrifying combined with what their stars can do on offense. I think they're a perfect lightning in a bottle example because in the right game, when they're hot, they can absolutely burn you down, but I just don't know about the offense. So that's why they're here to me compared yeah. to being that contender with a question with the way they are for you. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. I'd probably give a little bit of benefit of the doubt that they were in that game last season, but the offensive line does, con does concern me too. I mean, that is... Not what it was uh, for them. Who else is in here for you? Because I think we share a few more teams, but those are the three I had that were kind of defense first. Who else falls yeah, in this category for in you? In the lightning and the bottle category for me. So at the top, uh, in Baltimore, I had the Chargers, which I I don't feel great about the Chargers, actually. We, we can talk about that in a second. Yeah. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah, Bengals, Cowboys. Uh, I put the Rams in there kind of on their own recognizance a little bit. They won the Super Bowl, but I'm worried. I, I have some worries for them. Uh, Vikings, Cleveland, just, hey, you get Deshaun Watson back. I think lightning in a bottle, if you're not too far in a hole, if they don't blow too many of these fourth quarters in the meantime. And then I, I know you're going to laugh. I put the Raiders down there just because I'm not all out on them yet. I mean, I, I, I have optimism for, uh, the Josh McDaniels offense with Derek Carr and the weapons that they have. So I, I, I thought they were going to maybe be the number two team in the AFC West, and I'm not so sure that I'm going to be wrong on that. But it hasn't come to fruition early, and yeah, you, know, you could certainly prove me wrong. So I do not have the Raiders in this category. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's what I'll say. I, I have one a little bit further down that just this this wasn't the plan. We were supposed to be better than this this season, and the Raiders was what I have in that category. They're one yeah. three. Like they made a big splashy move to go get Devontae Adams. This was not a team that was building for next year or for the future. And yeah. I think they could be fine, but I don't have them anywhere near the other teams in this category. The Chargers are firmly in here to me just because even with 
oh man, they lost their left tackle. They lost Joey Bosa. Justin Herbert is banged up. What are they going to look like? Ho hum. They're like the sixth best offense in the league throwing the ball again. Their running game is a disaster right now. I think that absolutely is a concern. But over time, I still think as long as Herbert is healthy, they, they're getting Keenan Allen back. Even if they're not that top, top tier offense that I hoped they were going to be, I still think they're going to be good enough on that side of the ball where they're going to be a problem for most of the teams they play every single week. They are going to present issues for them, even if I think their ceiling is significantly lower than I might have thought at the beginning of the year, partially because of the way things are structured, partially because of the guys who've gotten hurt. But I think that the way that we're conceiving of these categories, they definitely belong in here to me. And the Chargers are, are going to get the Browns, the Broncos, and Seahawks next. So they got a really chance to run out there. And when you look at the poor Las Vegas Raiders, who are highly overrated by me, they're going to play Kansas City on the road this week. I mean, they could easily be one and four going into their bye. Yeah. So we'll see what they do out of it. But yeah, I wasn't, I just was maybe a little bit in between on them based on what I had thought might happen before the year. So we both had Minnesota in this category. I didn't really yeah. know what to do with them. I, I think they belong here based on the way yeah. that I've structured these. I do think that they feel close and with the right set of breaks could be fairly dangerous. But this they were one of the teams I had the hardest job placing of, of all of these. Yeah. Based on what we've seen this so far, like in the offseason, you could have like conceived a real outlier chance that they could like somehow win that division. But don't you think that that's closer now? Like they... They they could they could win the NFC North, right? Oh, like, absolutely! It wouldn't be a shock. It would not be a shock to me. I, I think if the Packers don't get significantly better, I think we're building in some improvement for Green Bay the way that we're talking about them right now. And if for whatever reason that improvement never comes, the Vikings absolutely could win that division. The Vikings. We talked about this with Deontay on Monday. It's just uh, so annoying. They're going to sit there at like between nine and eleven in every offensive category for the entire year, and we're going to sit there and just go back and forth about man, you know, I don't. Are the Vikings uh, yeah. good? Like, uh, what, you know, if they get this and that, uh-huh. what could the Vikings be? They're just exactly that team. And that's why I had such a hard time with them. A couple more I wanted to get to in here. You had the Rams in here. I had the Rams and the Titans in their own separate category because yeah. I truly did not know what to do. The Rams are bad right now. If we're basing this off of the way the, the way these teams have looked over the first four weeks, the Rams belong in a fifth or sixth tier based purely on performance. The Titans probably are down there too, but it, I feel bad crushing them. Like so, my the way I bucketed them was that they're kind of like the after the party teams. Like the Titans made these big moves last off season to kind of squeeze everything they could out of that offensive infrastructure and per- and personnel. Now they're kind of left to pick up the pieces with Tannehill's contract and post Julio move, and they have to trade AJ Brown. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, what is happening? Like this was always going to be a transition year for them, so I I feel bad putting them in a more dour, pessimistic category. And with the Rams, I kind of do too because it's hard to shit on the Rams in the same way you're going to with a team like the Broncos and how bad they've looked, or what the Saints have looked like because they yeah. won the Super Bowl last year. Like their path to this point included pushing everything into the middle to try to win a Super Bowl. So I don't really want to ding them for that. But if we're talking purely on the way that they've played, they belong in a lower category, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't want to put them in that New England Pittsburgh one, which I called can the head coach Willem hire. I forget what yours was, but like, we'll get, we'll cause get like, there. yeah. Cause they have Stafford. You know what I mean? They have some makings of something to be good, but I am. I am concerned for them. I think they're I think they're probably a lightning in the bottle team for me. Just like look, they could be a wild card out of the NFC 
West or win it, depending on what happens with San Francisco. And, um, you know, you get your defense playing right, and maybe by then they develop a run game or something that helps out Stafford. Who knows? So this has become sort of convoluted. We're still in like tier three, which we're calling lightning in a bottle yeah. teams. Yep. Step down from contenders with a question mark, but still I think teams that can make a lot of noise if things break the right way. I had two teams in here that you did not and you have in your next category because mm-hmm. I think both of these teams have moved beyond frisky and yeah. with the pieces in place could be pretty dangerous and that the, the piece I'm thinking about is Tua getting back healthy. I had the Jags and the Dolphins in here. I think both of those teams are beyond frisky. I think the Jags are just good. I think they ran into a team in Philadelphia last week in a rainstorm that they're going to look better in pretty much any other circumstance than they looked like on Sunday. They're eighth in passing DVOA right now. They're sixth in defensive DVOA. They're fourth in dropback EPA allowed. Like They're just good. They played against an Eagles team that had a really good game plan and an answer to a problem presented by the elements and what Jacksonville was last weekend that I don't think that many other teams can tap into. I think the Jags are just good. Yeah. Yep. So those two teams are at the top of my frisky upstart one where they're moving. There's some ships passing in the night here, right? Like those teams are coming up for me, whereas the Rams, Raiders, those types of teams are falling down to me. So, yep, I think we just need to see it a little more. I think Miami I would have put up there, uh, except the Tua injury. And I think just questions about his ability to hold up over the course of a season anyway are now a little bit more affirmed uh, for me. Uh, and then I also just think of them organizationally. Like I love the job Mike McDaniel has done. I believe that he has validated any optimism people had for him before. I, he's himself. I think I love the way he handles things, and obviously he can scheme it up really well. But uh, God, I mean, their owners suspended. They're they're getting draft choices taken away. This whole handling of the Tua thing. There's just a lot of there's just a lot that swirls around that team. With, on top of it, the quarterback now, not only are we not sure how well he can play if he's healthy the whole year for the for a whole year, we don't know that yet, um, then he's not on the field, uh, this whole thing swirling around him. That's why I'm just holding them back a little. Jacksonville, uh, yeah, maybe it's an, maybe it's just another week for me. Just seeing them another week, but I don't I don't know what I dislike about them. You know, I think I think they have a, I think they've got a shot. I mean, who do you like better in that division? Would you pick them to win the AFC South right now, Jackson? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll talk about the Colts later. I, I absolutely would pick them to win it. If the Colts need to get a lot better in, in yeah. order for me to think the Colts are the best team in that division right now. I think top yeah. to bottom, the Jags are the best team. And I think I don't really think it's particularly close yeah. with the way yep, that they they're my highest the one. So I've season. got them top of my friskies. You've got them bottom of lightning in a bottle. We'll see what happens with Tua. I can understand being really cautious with him. I think they should be really cautious with him. But if he can get back while well, they can kind of tread water, I just like the way that they're constructed offensively. I, I think it's expertly designed. I think the way they've wielded the team speed that they have and just everything about the construction of the offense makes sense to me everything plays off of each other everything has a counter to the counter everything looks the same until it doesn't when you combine that with just the pure amount of juice that they have it becomes really fun and their defense i know that hasn't been great if you look at the down to down numbers but it's a volatile defense and it kind of reminds me of a diet version of what the chiefs were a couple years ago where they have this explosive offense and this defense that while not good down in and down out, is going to be able to swing you games. And I think it's going to allow them that overall 
kind of complementary version of football to go on runs in games. They're going to be this team, in my opinion, that can put yeah. up 14, 21 before you even blink because they're going to blitz a ton. They're going to play a ton of man coverage, and they're just going to sling it at you for four quarters because of the guys they have on the outside. So that that makes them dangerous to me. I think it makes them volatile, yeah. but I think it makes them dangerous. Like they have some dials they can turn here as needed, right, to do some different things yes. within a game. So. Um, yeah, I think that's good. You actually had Miami Injectable at the top of your Lightning in a Bottle division. Is that correct? Yeah, I just I, I, th- those were not oh. really ordered in any sort of oh, okay, way. Okay, I just okay. yeah. I, I just I put them in there when I was yeah, calling them the playoff there. teams. So, but good, I yeah. think they're firmly in there to me. And I also had it ordered a little bit differently. Like I had the Niners, Cowboys, and Bengals like as the defense first Lightning in a Bottle teams, and then the other ones were a little bit of a different category. So let's get to our next one here. You had. You, you're calling these the frisky upstarts. You had Miami and Jacksonville in there, but then oh. you had three other teams in your frisky upstart tier, which is kind of tier four. You had Atlanta, the Lions, and the Seahawks. I pretty much had this exact same tier, except I called it the intriguing teams I do not understand. Lions, Falcons, yeah. Seahawks, and then I had the Browns in there just because I didn't really know what to do with the Browns and Watson potentially returning. We can get to the Browns in a second, but let's, let's talk about those first three teams, Lions, Falcons, I Seahawks. I, I mean, yeah. They're just, they are, when you think about those teams right now, all three of them, warm feelings. That's, that's what it is. You think oh, yeah. about it. It's like, Oh man, you know, those they're endearing. I'm into those teams. I like what they're doing right now. Yes. Atlanta, uh, by the way, no one was saying before the year, well, they sure upgraded by going for, to Mariota away from Matt Ryan. But And I'm not saying that Mariota's been great shakes, but you can do some certain things with him. I mean, he, you can run in an offense. And if you want to run that. the ball 50 times a game, having Marcus Mariota flip the math for you is an advantage. Yes. Now, that Cordell Patterson being hurt is an issue, but yeah, these are teams that could just totally plummet or be volatile. Like, I don't know how much higher they're going to go, but like, I respect them. Like, I respect Atlanta, the way they play. And you could just see, like, uh, Arthur Smith, like, he's has an edge. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Like, I, I like it. Detroit, obviously, Dan Campbell there. Offensively, Ben Johnson, are you kidding me? I mean, they're way better on offense than I thought they were going to be. I thought they'd be better, but this is like a best-case scenario. And then Seattle, like, Geno Smith was the, was the last guy in the quarterback tiers, okay? Like, everybody said he's just a backup. Now, we haven't seen him play for years, and he wasn't great last year, but, like, Their offense has grown. He can't do the things that Russell Wilson could do, like off schedule or an amazing deep ball thrower or those things. But they are running an offense. The ball's going to tight ends. You listen to Tyler Lockett after the game. He's like, the ball's being distributed. Like they're, we're seeing the Shane Waldron offense. And remember when I said that to you earlier this season, I think we were on one of these podcasts, like we may see the Shane Waldron offense. Like we are. And it's kind of fun. So those are these three teams aren't playing along with what they're supposed to be. And I don't know how long they can not play along, but it's kind of fun. Mike, all four of these teams that we're talking about right now that I have in this category, the Lions, the Falcons, the Browns, and the Seahawks are yeah. all top 10 in offensive DVOA through four games. All four yes. of these teams. I, I think that Geno has played great. I think that their offense has looked really fun. Right now, if I were ranking the job the play callers have done on offense over the first month of the season. Oh. Mike McDaniel would definitely be at or near the top of that list. But yep. the other three of the other guys in the top five would be in this category. It'd be Ben Johnson, Arthur Smith, and Kevin Stefanski for what they have done with the personnel that they have in those places. It's been remarkable. So yeah. I don't. I think that there's still a step down just because they all have warts. You know, the Falcons 
are the smoke and mirrors offense that I think over time will eventually get exposed because yes. they can't do enough things. The Lions defense is a train wreck. <laughs> and Seattle's an is abs- too. And Seattle's yeah. is as well. And the Browns, I thought coming into the season that the Browns would be ugly three yards in a cloud of dust on offense while Jacoby Brissett was in there that they would struggle to move the ball consistently and that they would have to win some ugly games where their defense played really well. You know, the only two defenses in football so far that are worse by DVOA than the Cleveland Browns are the Seahawks and the Lions. Wow. It's disappointing. I mean, here they are in a close game trying to win it with their backup quarterback and they're giving up multiple explosive plays to Atlanta, like 50-yard gain. I know they've been a little bit banged up. You know, Clowney's been hurt. Miles Garrett missed the last week, but they're 30th in run defense DVOA, which is not surprising to anybody. They, they, we had issues about that or questions about that coming into yeah. the season, and they haven't been lights out. The Packers have been the better version of this defense where they can't stop anybody on the ground, but at least their past defense has been lights out with the personnel yeah. that they have on the back end. The Browns have not been that. So the Browns defense is disappointing even considering some of the guys that they've been missing for stretches here. Now, if if they get their quarterbacks cranked up, Green Bay and and Cleveland, once they get that, maybe their run defense doesn't matter as much, right? You're ahead, you're sure. scoring points, let them run the ball, you know? Yeah, and I think run defense is the area that you'd be least concerned about when yeah. you're building a team's case for being really good over the course of the year. But I just thought the Browns' defense would be better than this. And yeah. But I think that they firmly belong in here. They, for you, the frisky upstart teams, for me, just intriguing teams I yeah. truly do not understand. I think over the yeah. long run, teams like that are probably going to run out of gas. But yeah. what they've been like over the first four games, I, I think they belong yeah. in this sort of tier, this sort of conversation. And sometimes over a short run, Robert, too, you're like, uh, who you play is so instrumental. Like Seattle's offense looked amazing. Yeah, it didn't look amazing playing the 49ers. They couldn't score. But you, you put them against uh, uh, Detroit, and suddenly it's fireworks. So there's a truth somewhere in between there. It'll even out over the season. And the Broncos defense has been pretty darn good over the, over the early part of the season. And so Seattle not lighting the world on fire in week one becomes a little bit more understandable when you look at how the Broncos defense has played over the first four weeks. Although the Broncos defense has played easier offenses too. Yes, and then last week against the Raiders, which I think is a little bit of a better offense, it didn't look quite as good. So we'll see how that plays out over the time once we get more uh, games in there. But I think we generally, generally agree and we enjoy these teams in this my FU frisky upstart bucket. <laughs> All right. So the next category here, we, we called it different things, but we had we independently put the exact yeah. same teams in a category of their own. What did you call it? Can the head coach will them hire New England and Pittsburgh? You have so much, such respect for Belichick and Tomlin, but I, I don't know. I don't know what excites me about these teams. What are you excited about? Uh, mine is the way that I bucketed this is what exactly is the plan here? Yeah. Like, what What are we trying what are to we be? Doing? What are we good at? Like, where Where are we going? I just don't really understand either the short or long term outlook for what both of these teams are supposed to be. They both have quarterbacks they drafted in the middle of the first round. They dropped them into offenses where it's like, okay, like I, the Steelers' offensive situation is much worse than what the Patriots are right now, which says a lot considering the Steelers, or excuse me, the Patriots' offense is coordinated by some combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. So uh, how, I don't know how I would feel about that if I were a Steelers fan, but I just don't really understand what these teams are, what they want to be what the final result is by the end of the year. I think both of them probably linger somewhere just under 500. And then we get to the off season. It's like, all right, not now what with where we are and what these quarterbacks are and the way we've spent yeah. resources. They're just confounding to me. 
I I was thinking of it this last week. I was like, okay, if I'm Robert Kraft, who's in his 80s now, what am I excited about with this team? You've been to the mountaintop so many times. Like, what are we what are we gearing towards? Like, what's it going to be a year or two from now? What are we? And that's what you're getting at with the, with the plan. I'm not saying they have horrific plans. I just don't know what we're reaching for here. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. And you look at it, yeah. and it's like a lot of the players in the Patriots offense are like a 7 out of 10, maybe less, maybe 6 out of 10. A lot yeah, of 6 out of 10s on the Patriots offense, and, and that's how the team was constructed. And when you build through free agency, that's pretty much how you have to build your team because yeah. the 6 out of 10s are what's available. But where it goes from here, I just, I'm not sure. You know, Tyquan Thornton's yeah. been hurt, and it's so many different things where it's made them hard to pin down. And that's how I feel about yeah. both of these teams. And you know, the Steelers' off- defense has been defanged because TJ Watt isn't playing. Oh. But it, they're just, I don't know. I'm left yeah. kind of shaking my head and wondering with both of them. All right. Yeah. Next one here. You called these, you called this the no self awareness division. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said it was supposed to be better than this. It, so we, we, again, independent naming, but pretty much a similar group of teams. I had the Raiders here where yeah, you yeah, had yeah. them a little bit higher. I had the Raiders here, but we've got some others that I think fall in line here with a couple of these. Right. So I think if you were going to have a poster child for someone who doesn't have the greatest self-awareness, it might be Russell Wilson just a little bit. There's a kind of a disconnect sometimes. He does some cringeworthy things for being a good guy. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Russell Wilson, but but sometimes you're just like, dude, you're uh, wearing your own jersey on this thing or you're you're warming up uh, in a game you're not going to play for the cameras, right? That's Denver. Like Denver leaned into Russell Wilson's here. Wow, we're so excited. Shoot, they haven't done anything right. You know, their defense has been fine. Okay, but like the game management stuff, Wilson himself, the offense. So they're sort of this team that no self-awareness means. Like these teams, for me, I had Denver, Tennessee, New Orleans, Arizona, Indy. Like they acted like they're close or they act like they're something. But then everyone else kind of sees them in a different way. And maybe they can prove us wrong, like Tennessee has many times in the past. But like... We look at these teams and see, see see teams that are we see the glass half empty and these teams walk around like the glass is over brimming, you know? I had similar teams in here. I think the Broncos belong right at, at the top of this tier. I think they're the first team to mention and I like that. I had the Saints number two. Lack of self awareness. This was not the plan. Like oh. the Saints were not supposed to look like this based on how their offseason went. So I think they're right in here. And another team that I had in here was the Jets. The Jets spent all of those resources in the offseason. Oh, yeah. It could get better over the course of the year, but their defense has not been very good. I know that they're young. Maybe we just got ahead of ourselves with the expectations for the sort of improvements that they could make this off this season. But I had them in this tier instead of anything further down where we're playing for next year or you know they're rebuilding. They don't belong in those categories anymore. So I think yes. they could get better over the course of the season. But so far, I, I expected them to be better than they've been, especially on defense. And then the Raiders and, were in yeah, here for yeah. me. Yeah, they, the Raiders deserve it. Like, especially if they get rolled by the Chiefs, I'll put them right there with you. Because they acted this offseason like, hey, we're we're close. Let's get Devontae Adams. They Let's traded, made Chandler a huge Jones. trade for Devontae Adams and paid so you're right. 35-year-old you're, Chandler yeah. Jones. <laughs> You're right. The vet, the Raiders belong more in here. So that's just me. That's sort of, I'm like the scout who's staying on his college uh, eval too long, you know, of the quarterback. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Russell Wilson's still not that good. And he's like a pro bowler after two years, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you on that. Uh, and I think, uh, 
I think there's similarities with these teams. All right. I, I'm, I've thought about it and the way that we have put these teams together. I am giving the Colts probationary inclusion into this was not the plan. Okay. Or no self-awareness yeah. division. They are probationarily included in here because the next category for me, they are right on the edge here. And these are the teams that I have banished to the shadow realm and never want to hear from again. Shadow realm. Love okay. It. The Cardinals are number one. You, you, the no self-awareness division is too kind to what the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> have looked like this season. Okay. That is not okay. Next, <laughs> You've watched more of them. I haven't gotten to their, them yet. As much. No, <laughs> that is, it's not okay. The Cardinals belong in yeah. this bottom, bottom yeah. tier division. It's not the, it's sort of the bottom tier. To me, it's the bottom tier. It's the bottom tier of my heart. Even if I have one more collection of teams that we're going to talk about. The Cardinals are in this for me. Washington is definitely oh, in here wow. for me. Like it gets just like, what is this? I, I don't explain this to me. Like if, if they're gonna if their offense is gonna look like this I, I, after going out and purposefully getting Carson Wentz, I just let me know. And then the last one for me is the Carolina Panthers are they almost belong in their own tier. But the shadow <sighs> realm and just never wanting to think about these teams ever again. Those are the three that I, I'm currently in right now. So you mentioned we mentioned India. I think they're fun to, to talk about. And I, I'm just going to call up while we're doing this or schedule to see if they're going to get into this. The Colts are dead stuff. last in DVOA. So they've got dead last. Denver. I, I almost shouldn't give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt at this point. I hate the fact that I am, but for some reason, I just can't put them in the same tier with these other teams, even though they probably should be. I was watching their fourth quarter offense uh, in their last game that lost 24 to 17 Tennessee, and. <sighs> It wasn't as bad as like they're down seven and they a drive ends on a fumble. The running back fumbles, so that wasn't like just complete bad design or Matt Ryan playing terrible. Um, they had a couple chances there. Later, there were times later in that game that it looked better. There was a long third down, I think, completion, a big play. Um, so you know, it didn't look as bad as sometimes it's looked before. But I'm just, I just don't see what they're. I don't see. Here's what I see. They're not good at left tackle, which we warned about. They're, they don't have speed on the outside. They have a bunch of big guys, but they don't have speed. And then Matt Ryan can't create anything. Everything has to be perfect to make it look good. And that's just too much of an ask. Their offensive line is not what it was. All right. I've changed my mind. The Colts are in the shadow realm category. And they can, <laughs> ap- they can apply, apply for reinstatement Statement. into no self-awareness. This was not the plan. In in the three weeks, they can apply for reinstatement. But for right well, now, they belong in the bottom category. Herbert, they're going to play at Denver, home Jacksonville, at Tennessee. I mean, they do they win one of those games? games? They're going to win one they, of those I games. I think they could beat Tennessee. At Tennessee, though? They haven't beat Tennessee in like 20 years. When's the last time they beat Tennessee? Isn't it like a 10-game streak or something? They absolutely could. They, they 100% long could lose these three games. They're playing badly. They're one of the worst teams in the league. They, they, they could beat Denver, though. Like... Like they could rally and beat Denver has enough stuff, especially losing Javante Williams, horrific. Like and losing Randy won't... Gregory is another big one for Denver. Obviously not for the season, but if any sort of stretch of time, him on the other side with with Chubb was yeah. I think a big reason. I that almost think Indy wins this week. I almost think Indy wins this week, but then loses the next two. But whatever. I don't. We don't love it. How about they? They belong down they, here. They belong down here. I'm more than willing won't. to admit it. And then I had one more category that it's. I just don't even want to. Yeah. frame this negatively they're just rebuilding teams and that was the giants the bears and the texans i know the giants are three and one we are going to talk about the giants especially their offense 
on our weekly preview show this week. I want to dig into how they have fielded a competent NFL offense so far with the players that they have and the receivers that they're trotting out. But I still think that over the long run, these teams are rebuilding. Like we should just, we should grade them on a curve. There's also a nuanced Justin Fields conversation to be had at a certain point. But for right now, this is how I'm bucketing these three. Yeah, no, I, I can get you on that. Uh, I don't, I don't want to talk a lot about those teams right now. We're good to put it right there. All right. For different reasons, you know. All right. I feel good about this. I'm sure we won't regret any of these conversations like three weeks from now. <laughs> we're learning. Look, I, we're not declaring. We're learning. We're, we're just taking the evidence, mixing it with what we already thought, and getting smarter. Like you you properly corrected me on the Raiders. I mean, that is ridiculous that I had no, that high. So, you know, they, they belong in that no self-awareness group for me. Or uh, the, This wasn't the plan team. And we'll reassess if they beat Kansas City. So. There you go. There's so there are so many teams in here. I'm just like, I just don't know what to do. The Vikings, the Browns, like I just those are the two. It's like I just don't know. Like I feel like they could be pretty good with the right sort of breaks, but I'm just yeah. not sure. This is a difficult thing. And the Ravens. I think the Ravens are also that one where it's just like I you could have put them in two or three different categories to me and I could understand the arguments for all of them. Yeah. Yep. There's there's some volatile variables with some of these teams that we just need to learn more and see more before we can declare more. I will say I was, I wasn't really pessimistic about the Bengals because I picked them to win 10 games and make the playoffs, but I was pessimistic about this version of the Bengals being why they would be competitive, where their defense was excellent and they were still figuring it out on offense. So I will, I will admit being a little bit down on their defense comparatively and what they compared to what they look like right now. And the same thing goes for the Cowboys. So those are two teams that you know, you're sitting there right now. You have them firmly in your third tier. They're firmly in my third tier and why they're in that tier is just not something I would have anticipated at this stage of things. I think for me, the first month of the season has reminded me that Cincy and the Rams were number four seeds that made the Super Bowl. It's a great, great and, point. And what happens is when you get to the Super Bowl, then you become the champion. Your plan worked. We're there. But you were still the fourth seed. These were not, you know, teams. Shoot, last year before the year, we would have had uh, Cincinnati as a possible bottom five team in the AFC. Uh, depending, you know, Burrow was coming back, all of that. So I think that's just a little bit of a reminder on that, that, hey, the final end of the season results don't define you now. You you still were a four seed. You still had question marks. And we knew the Bengals offensive line. They addressed it, but we didn't, we weren't convinced they upgraded it. Maybe it gets better over the course of the year, but they have a lot to still prove there, even though they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that's kind of what I felt like yesterday watching the Rams, where it's like, oh yeah, they... It's not that they got lucky or stumbled into anything, but they weren't this no doubt about it best team in the league last season when they won the Super Bowl. They had a couple of things kind of fall together at the end, whether it was the Von Miller trade or the way their offense played after a pretty foul period for a long stretch, about two thirds of the way through the season. And then they got hot and figured it out at the right time and they won a Super Bowl. And now they're kind of left being this team that has living with the decisions that they made in order to help win that Super Bowl. And I, I guess none of this should be as surprising as it might seem at first glance. I know as they get into, you know, running formations with their light personnel, I'm just like, I don't know, you know, receiver type guys in the back. It's the fundamentals there are not what they were when they were really good. Certainly that offensive line's a concern and we'll see. All right. That is all we got. Mike Sando, thank you very much for doing this with me. I really appreciate you hopping out on short notice. Always a good time to chat with you, my friend. Uh, tell people about where else they can listen to you on this feed. 
Absolutely. Uh, Randy Mueller and I have the Football GM podcast that has come onto this feed this year. Uh, we record on Friday mornings. It's usually up by Friday afternoon, certainly for Saturday. Appreciate everyone uh, listening there. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Sando NFL and at The Athletic. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow with me and Jeff Howe from The Athletic doing our normal Thursday show. Very excited about that. Thursday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time, which is where I exist. We'll be doing our Thursday preview show with me, Nate Tice, Deontay Lee. It's a weird week. It's a very weird week. We're going to talk about a lot of weird shit. You guys should absolutely come back and check it out. We'll do that live on YouTube every single week, so please come check that out. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I made a very transparent request yesterday. For those of you who like the show to go review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen that has a review option, just go do it. It would mean a lot to me. Uh, I would sincerely appreciate it. That'd be great. Also, Thursday night on YouTube, we, for reasons that are still unknown to me, even though it was my decision, will be recapping Colts Broncos on YouTube live after the game is over. So if you want to come listen to that, we'll be doing it. I don't really know. I can't sell it any better than that, Bauer. I'm, I'm sorry about that. It doesn't really seem like not full throated support for our own product here, but we're going to do it anyway. It's the Peyton Manning Bowl. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> A game he is neither commentating or is anywhere near, but that's how we can sell it. It's all you need to do, just mention Peyton Manning's name. In the meantime, guys, really appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.